0: It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Presented by Sweet Sweat. Hey, welcome in. Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evans, Scott the Hub, producing the show. Want to thank our presenting sponsors, great folks over at Sweet Sweat for all your exercise needs, for all your supplement needs. Just check them out, sweetsweat.com. I tell you what, it's what the pilgrims would have used. I promise you that. If it was around back then, the pilgrims would have been all over that. For crying out loud! It's what I'm using. It's what Mike's using. Uh, Sweet sweat. Uh, I'm telling you, they're awesome. Also, Superbook, um, who sponsor? You know, who sponsor our uh, picks against the spread, our money maker picks, where I am absolutely whooping your ass again. Just it's right hey, now. It what may can be I say? I got nothing. Insurmountable. I got nothing. Yeah, I got nothing. You, there's nothing you can I say can't about say that. I just so got to sit here and take it. All right, so thank all those uh, all those great folks for sponsoring the podcast. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I, I, what a what a great week it was in the NFL. I mean, just exciting finishes, mm-hmm. uh, back and forth games. I, I, I thought it was a terrific, terrific week in the NFL, and boy, what a week you had! You thought you were going to be calling Seattle. And Arizona, which turned out to be an amazing game. By the yeah, but can I just take you through? Yeah, my... I think you should because it was a, a fascinating turn of events for you. All right, so you might, my, you're always trying to figure out what your process is to get yourself ready to do a game, and you know, I, I just spend a lot of time watching film, mostly because I'm a film junkie and I like it. You know, like it's fun to look at things and see how teams play, and yeah, I mean, does it make me any better? Probably, I, I don't know if it does or it doesn't. I mean, I— But the bottom line is I do what I do, right? So I probably spend, Mike, you know this. You see me do it. I probably spend 25 hours at least a week studying film. So I sit and study film on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and uh, and then I get on a plane Thursday. And sometimes I study Thursday morning, and then I get on a plane. Then I, I actually make videos for my crew so they can see what I'm looking at. Like, hey, this is something they do a lot of. This is something they do in third downs. This is something they do in the red zone, whatever. And I make a bunch of videos and and just kind of educating my crew on, you know, what this team, like what this team is. Um, And so these are things that I do to prepare myself for a game. So I sit down on the plane heading to Phoenix to call Arizona, Seattle. And as I'm hunkering down and wiping down my seat and everything else and buckling my seatbelt, I check my phone. I've got an email on there. So I open it up. It's from my boss. Your game's been switched. Now you're doing Tampa at Raiders. If you're on the plane, get off. If you haven't gotten on the plane yet, call Travel. And I was like, well, I got Seattle, San Francisco next week. So I thought maybe that was, I thought he maybe screwed up the game. So I call and he goes, "Where are you? What, what are you doing? Where are you? I go, I'm sitting on the plane. Get off now. Get off now. Can you get off? I was like, "Well, yeah. Hey, hold on, hold on! Don't shut the door." So I grab my bag. Oh, it must have made everybody else on the plane right. feel really good that you were in such a hurry to get off. Right. Final <laughs> like, destination, crap, right, right there. Yeah. <laughs> I just had a premonition. That's You're all right. screwed. That's right. Okay. Good night, everybody. You know. Everybody. I'm you off. know? <laughs> so I get off the plane. I call travel. Travel goes. Hold on. Let me see if I can get you on a, a play uh, a flight to uh, um, to Vegas. So literally, I'm on with like four or five minutes. Hey, there's a plane that leaves in 20 minutes. It's at this gate. Can you get there? Like the gate was directly across the airport. I go, yeah, it's right there. I can see it. So I walk over. I walk up to the desk. The guy hands, literally hands me a ticket. I walk onto the plane. So now I'm sitting on the plane. You know, like I don't have, like normally I bring all my stuff to catch up on all my reading for the week. Like what's going on. There's a bunch of articles every day. They send you two and a half hours worth of reading, um, And I have my daughter, my oldest daughter reads it all for me and puts it in a Notes version, right? She does that for me and Aikman and a couple other people. So um, I'm going to sit down and and do all my reading. Well, I got nothing to read. I got nothing. I'm just sitting there going, I don't have any film to watch. Um, I'm going to have to get into Vegas and start watching film. So I literally fly to Vegas. I check into the hotel. I walk up to my room. I get in my room at four o'clock. I turn on my on my uh, laptop, my and and start watching film. I watch film from four o'clock in the afternoon until nine thirty that night. Got a bite to eat with my producer. Went back up to my room from ten thirty, or yeah, from about ten thirty to like twelve. I watched film. Got up the next morning at five. Watched film until my meetings. Boy, you're having a crazy time in Vegas, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, it's a you? kooky time in wow. Vegas. But I'm trying to get caught up yeah. because I like I put in the I put in the work. So it's you know it's it's like I sat all day, you know, all day Friday watching film. Then we had you know we had meetings with I had meetings with Bruce Arians and uh, I had a meeting with Todd Bowles, the D coordinator of Tampa. I had a meeting with Brady. Talked to Brady for 20 minutes. He told me one of the most interesting things I've ever heard. Like and, and I never thought about it. So we're talking about the progress, and I was like, hey, listen, you know, Tom, you you, like the first time I talked to you during the course of of this season, you were like, hey, listen, I was married for 20 years to New England, right? I didn't even have to think about the offense. It just was natural. He goes, I've only been dating it now for a couple of weeks, right? I, I just am not, like, I'm not even, you know, I'm not even close. We're not even close as an offense yet. So I said, okay, here we are six weeks into the season, right? Like, where are you? Like, have you hit third base with this offense yet? He goes, no, I I would say I'm sliding into second right now, is where they are as an offense. He goes, one of the crazy things that I never realized is when I was in New England, he goes, we go through our offensive, like, you know, you go through your offense 10 plays or 12 plays or eight plays or whatever it is, and then the defense goes through theirs, and you go back and forth. And during that time, kind of quote-unquote time off, because the scout team's out there, he goes, in New England, it's cold. It's in, you know, in the upper northeast, and it's, like, we would sit back and go, okay, it's, it was a way to keep warm. Like, let's go through those plays that we didn't hit, or let's go through those plays again just to make sure we're dialed in. And we, we'd work through them all. He goes, it's so damn hot and sticky in Tampa, I can't do that. My guy's like, I need to recover before the next period. So where it was a work, an extra work period where I'm getting double duty, during practice in New England, I don't get that extra work in Tampa. We can't go through it. Everybody's trying to recover, myself included. And I I just thought it was fascinating, like, oh, my gosh, I I never thought about it that way. It's so damn hot and sticky that we're just trying to get some water and trying to recover before the next period. And so I've never heard anything like that before. I got double duty in New England. Yeah. And, you know, we were running extra routes and stuff just to stay warm between periods. In Tampa, you're trying to cool off. And I was like, damn, that, you know, it actually makes sense. He's looking great right now. Oh, my gosh. He really is. Dude, he is. What did, you, what, what did you say his numbers are last few games? Like the last four games, he's thrown 14 or 15 touchdowns versus one interception. He's got the, the, all, you know, the best. That's the best. 15 touchdowns. 15 versus one is the best. And um, and like 1,400-plus yards passing in the last Three, four games, four games, five games, whatever it is. Antonio Brown got to help or hurt? Here's the deal. I talked to Bruce Arians about it. I talked to Tom about it. He goes, did we sign him? Yeah, I didn't on. even know. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that is okay. all. All right, whatever. Wasn't just a few months ago Bruce Arians said never? Yeah, yeah. To Antonio Brown, never on my watch, basically. Mm-hmm. And now here he well, is. Yeah, he said he wasn't a fit. Now, I had talked to – you could tell that, that Bruce was a little guarded because, you know, he's he said that a long time ago. Here's the thing. Mike Evans hamstring go back to you yeah. your hamstring i'm not 100% no you're not his hamstring first off he missed the last 3 games of last season he missed all their training camp he's been in several games where he shouldn't be playing bruce Aaron like i shouldn't have played him but he's he, he's like going to beat me up he's he's playing regardless on sunday so like he's not healthy Scotty Miller, every week has got a hammy and a... He's one of those fast guys that can't ever stay healthy. You know, one of those track guys. Um, So he's always... He's always trying to get to the finish line, you know, to play on Sundays. So he's missing practice time. Um, Chris Godwin's had a hamstring. Chris Godwin's had a concussion he's missed time with. So they have never... One time during the course of the football season, they've never had a completely healthy receiving core. So... Like, you're not, you're never working with those guys on a consistent basis in practice. And so, Bruce is like, we wouldn't do this if we weren't so beat up at that position. And he goes, ultimately, like, ultimately with A.B., he goes, I think he's grown up. I Like, I'm talking to him. I think he's, he's matured to some degree because this has hurt him. And, you know, not only financially, but pride-wise. And he goes, bottom line is we're not going to pay him anything. And if he screws up, we'll cut him, and he knows that. And that's kind of where we are right now. You know, I'm I'm like, hey, listen, if I if I gave that guy a nickel, I'd want change back. That's kind of where I'm at with AB. But I get I get what the what the process is, right? I get what the understanding is. I'll tell you the other thing that's been impressive about that offense. Is Gronkowski like you thought? People just thought that Gronkowski was going. You can't like come back and just be Gronkowski. You can't take a year off, lose all that weight, you know, spend time on party boats, you know, and and then think you're going to come right back into a brand new offense and just fall back into it. It's taken a little bit of time, and that dude right now is he's killing people. It's like they're starting to they're starting to heat up, and that defense will keep them. That defense. Um, all three levels of that defense is great. It'll keep them they're in. A, they're a team to be reckoned with yeah. in the NFC South. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They destroyed the Raiders, uh, which I guess led to you uh, having quite the battle with Raider fans. My goodness. Following oh. you on Twitter has been oh my very entertaining. Gosh. It's what always a... entertaining, but even more so in the aftermath of that call. I'm, I, I have never seen such a bunch of whiny bitches. Oh! <laughs> Then who? Then Raider fans? Yeah, I mean, oh, Lord, i like, like, you were unfair. It's you're biased against the Raiders because you play for the Broncos and you hate the Raiders. You know, I mean, first off, I don't hate the Raiders. I was eleven on one against their punk asses. I love the Raiders. <laughs> uh, secondly, do you really think I'm biased against bad football? Like the Raiders had a, In all honesty, this is 2020, man. The Raiders had a Tough week. They lost because Trent, you know, Trent Brown had COVID, wasn't wearing his, you know, reportedly wasn't wearing his little tracker or everything. They had to send their whole offensive line home for the week. They all had to pass COVID tests five days in a row. They weren't cleared to play until Sunday morning. No practice, no nothing. You know, honestly, totally an unfair situation, right? But you don't get to wear wristbands with excuses on them. This is 2020. Guess what? Buckle up, Buttercup. Do it over Zoom and let's roll because that's what we're going to have to do. And then on top of that, you had one of your offensive linemen get injured, Sam Young, who started at right tackle. And they've had you know, a revolving department store door at, at offensive line-wise. They've had a bunch of different guys be hurt or miss games or whatever. And then their best, Gabe Jackson is their best offensive line. He's great. He got ejected. Uh, and then we couldn't see exactly what he did under the pile, but he got ejected. Like you put yourself into harm's way, and people are like, well, you were so busy kissing Brady's ass. And I man, he he accounted for five freaking touchdowns. People, he threw four dimes and he had a he had a, a rushing touchdown and a sneak. He kind of was the story of the game that and, you're calling right. And the Raiders scored two touchdowns. Yeah. Now yeah. it was like it's funny because the Raider fan is mad because at some point with about 7 8 minutes left in the fourth quarter they made it 20 24 but that game was never close you know what that game you know how sometimes the score you say the score isn't indicative of the game we saw at 45 20 the score was indicative of the game we saw they went at halftime down 21 to 10 now they battled back and and they they scored a touchdown and a field goal and they made it 20 you know 24 20 but it was never, it was never close. You always felt like at any time, at any time, they could turn it on. By the way, listen, I'll, the Raiders defense, they're still, they don't have a war daddy. They don't have a guy you have to worry about from a pass rush standpoint. They've got to create pass rush, they've got to create disguise. They've got to do, like, Tom Brady told me here's the deal, man. When you play the Raiders, what you get pre snap is not what you're going to get post snap. And you've got to really be good in post-snap. I mean, you snap the ball, and you've got to be able to read on the run. Well, like, for a young quarterback, that's probably going to be tough. You know? For Tom Brady, he's like, that's, like, I mean, he had been doing it for 21 years, for crying out loud. And he he, I mean, he just tore him up. He just tore him up. So that was the story. And and it wasn't close. And for for Raider fan to think that I called the game and was like, relishing in the Raiders not playing well I'm a you know that I have a tight relationship with John Gruden and I I'm a big Derek Carr fan and you know that and by the way on this uh, on our radio show in Denver not just this podcast but our radio show in Denver I told you in a in April and people in Denver were pissed at me the Raiders are the second best team to Kansas City in this division and I stand by it. I they, There's a certain way they have to play to win. And when they can execute and play that way, they're damn good. Oof. Speaking of the Broncos now, 10 straight losses to the Chiefs. 10 straight losses by an average score of 30-16. to 16. And this one showed how far the gap is between the two teams. I know the Broncos made it a point during the offseason to say, Hey, we're out to out-chief the Chiefs. Oof. Based on what we saw... They got a long way to go, man. I, Mike, it's yeah, it is not. It's not close. When you can roll in to Denver and basically put your offense in idle, we're just gonna idle. You know, it's like it's like what do they call it? Huffing when you just warm your car up in the parking lot. Like you people have the key that starts the car from inside the office. So they just let it roll. They were just on idle. Mahomes had one touchdown. They were zero for eight on third down. Two hundred yards passing. They, you got hennied. <laughs> you were so bad that Chad Henney got to finish the game and scored. And scored on a uh, yeah scored on a touchdown run. How bad are you that you get hennied? That is like, I don't know what the equivalent of that is, but. It's whatever it is. It's not good. They're putting a lot of stock in Drew Locke. You think they're going to be rewarded, ultimately? I this. I mean, here's the problem with teams that don't have a direction or choose the wrong direction. You ever you ever been in in L A. and try to get around in L A. Like well, I'm with my daughters and and they're in L A. You know, they get that damn Waze app. You ever, you ever been on the Waze app? That damn thing will have you going through parking lots and freaking neighborhoods and, you know, cut through this guy's driveway and drive through the back lawn of this dude and get back on around, you know I mean? And, and it, you know, you'll cut through somebody's lawn and it'll save you 30 seconds as you. It, <laughs> Take I mean, it right at the hibiscus. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly like when you're a shitty team, uh-huh. you're on Waze. I mean, and that's where they are right now. Like, hey, you know, at some point the narrative was, hey, we're uh, now we have speed. You know, we drafted two wide receivers and we're as fast as the Chiefs. And, you know, our tight end can run our tight end for tight end can run with Kelsey and our, you know, and Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler can run with, you know, um, McCole Hardman and uh, and 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 the Ty cheetah Hill, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know and and now that we have the speed we can beat them no the speed is only good if you guys are going in a track meet like if you're in a track meet okay let's line up and run 40s and see who wins this is not a track meet this is a football organization and when you can beat somebody by 27 points and not even not even piss a drop on third down it just goes to show you how far away you are you're so. I mean, it's you can't even see from here to there. You can't even see it. You know it exists. It's but it's so far down. It's so far down the road. You can't see it from where you're at. Hey, I'll tell you something else that I see clearly. I mean, I always felt this way anyway. But boy, has it been driven home? The whole was it Brady or was it Belichick debate? Oh my gosh! You got Cam Newton now coming out and saying, "Man, I've I've been terrible. Right. I deserve to be benched. If I don't improve, it might be permanent." You already get calls for Jared Stidham now in New England. Yeah, I mean that thing is spiraling <sighs> out of control. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know, it, it's listen, it's always the players. Well, it's always the players. Well, you're saying that, but for twenty years, you got a legion of people who believed it was all. It was all Belichick. Belichick's winning percentage is under 500 without Tom Brady. Yes, it is, well below 500. I rest my case. Like he's a, there's no question he's a great coach, Mike. There's no question they've done a great job developing players. There's also no question that Tom Brady held people to a standard. You know, it's funny. I was talking on the broadcast just about. You know, the national media getting mad. Tom Brady's not showing leadership. He's just yelling at people. Like, he's just angry. He's mean. He's like, you know, and like everybody's worried about people's feelings. It's like you're playing professional football to get a letter of certificate or certificate of participation. Like, quit being a bunch of panty wastes. Right? That's not how it works. And here's why Tom Brady can dog cuss anybody he wants within that organization. Because there's not one guy that he's holding more accountable than he's holding himself. There's not anybody that grinds harder. There's not anybody that works harder. And there's not anybody that demands more of him than him. So he's earned a right to cuss you out and half the time and Bruce Arians told me he goes half the time he you know the the national media is going look at how what a bad leader he is he goes half the time he's screaming he's screaming at himself he's he's cussing himself out as he's walking to the bench he's like you know it, it just is that whole narrative of Tom being mean it just is it, it's just a different animal and when you have that boy it's amazing how much easier it is to coach right mm-hmm. when you have a guy that holds everybody you or you don't even have to do it you don't have to cuss anybody out. So what's Cam's problem? Because by all accounts, he's been a terrific worker. He's worked hard. He's been a great leader. But the guy that we saw against Seattle, who went toe to toe with Russell Wilson throwing the football, is in is gone. Mm-hmm. Is it a case of he's reverting back to some of the reasons why he's he got bounced from Carolina? Is it is it him feeling the effects still of COVID? What what do you think it is? Well, I think mechanically he gets lazy at times. And you just, you know, I think, and that's, I think it's endemic, Mike. Like, if you're a guy like Drew Brees or you're a guy like Brady or you're a guy that relies on mechanics and knowledge and understanding, right? Because that's how you have to play. Because when things break down, you just can't go rely on your body to make a play like ultimately you you have you just have that as your that's your base that's yep. what you're made of that's that's how you're woven together and when you've always been able to escape when you've always been able to make a play with your physicality and your god-given gifts sometimes you revert back to that and you can see Cam throw the ball with just power leaks and and mechanical issues where all of a sudden he'll, you know, throwing, especially throwing to the left, where he'll swing open his hips and now his shoulders open up and he's not on top of the ball driving it, but he's getting underneath the ball and it's either sailing or he's holding on to it a little bit too long because he can feel how wide he's opened up. Now he's driving it into the turf. It's just like a pitcher. It's the same type of mechanical issues. And so... Like, you don't want to open your hip up, like, you don't want to splay yourself open and get your feet, like, parallel to one another, right? You want to have your your stance closed, and you want to rotate around your hips. That's how you generate power and accuracy. And so I think he falls into some of that. I think the other thing is, Mike, early, they were relying on 10, 11, 12 quarterback runs a game you know that that's not a recipe for long-term success with a guy who's missed two seasons in a row with injury issues. So I think there's part of that is like, how are we going to get back to more traditional stuff? And that's never been his strongest suit because of those mechanical failures. And he does, sometimes he's perfect mechanically. But I think there there is a time, it's not because he's lazy, it's just because... That's the mental, like, that is the the mental picture that he's had throughout his career. And when you're doing that and you're coupling it with, you know, a running offense where he's running and, you know, some play action stuff, like, and you can escape and do those things. Every now and again, you can have a terrible throw because your mechanics are off and you can overcome it. Well, what are your odds of overcoming it now that you're older and you're a little bit more beat up and you don't quite have the same explosion that you used to have. Like yeah, That's what you have to ask yourself. And that's kind of I think where they are. Hey, where where are we at with the uh, the Cowboys right now? Oh my um, gosh. You've got anonymous voices criticizing Mike McCarthy. Um Andy Dalton takes a hellacious shot. From John Bostick, and none of the Cowboys react. And, and even McCarthy's saying he was disappointed. Jerry Jones, when asked about, on his radio show that he does, was asked if the Cowboys have a leadership void, and he told the radio host to shut up. He then later apologized. So, I mean, it it, it just seems like this thing has fallen apart. Oh, it, And meanwhile, Dak Prescott's sitting back and saying, Bay me my money. It is. There's no question that Boy, it's this falling guy could, apart. This guy, this guy should be the MVP. It, there was, Look at the Cowboys with him without him. Or, it, there's no question, and, and you're 100 percent right. You know, I, I've, I've seen a lot of ex players. Hey, if that was my team, and if that was, you know, we and and they're all right. I mean, there's like that would trigger you. You know, that would there would be there would be something that that goes down. Um, and so. Yeah, I mean that that part of Andy Dalton, and I understand that sometimes you're just shocked, like, like you're like, oh, I hope that guy's all right, you know, type right. thing. So there's some shock involved in that, but at some point, somebody's coming after John Bostic, and for that not to happen, well, he got tossed. So I understand, but for right for for nobody to go like throw fists is right away is, is fairly shocking. And again, you know, I, you'd like to think that that would be you, you know, you go do something about it. I, but somebody would. I mean, it would there would be a natural reaction. Do you ever have that is, happen to you as a player where literally, you know, frontier justice took took oh, place? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. I got in a fight in my first game I ever played in. I got in a fight and, um, Were you protected as a result of something that happened to somebody else? No, I got in a fight. Me and the guy I was playing. Okay, against. but I'm talking about like, right. Hey, but I what, saw... what I'm telling you is, I got in a fight with a guy I was playing against. I I jacked him in the jaw, and next thing I know, Ernest Byner comes flying over a pile and tackles him. Right, and then it's you know then people are pulling me out, and people are pull like refs are coming in there throwing flags, and the whistles are blowing, and both teams got together like. And I'm not a quarterback, right? I was a rookie, starting his first game. Yeah, good point. And and my guys weren't going to allow, you know. Well, first off, I was going to allow it, so I was going to get punked by some guy swinging at me, right? So even though I knew I get fu- I get a flag for retaliating, it wasn't even an option. I didn't even think about it. Like you're you're going to get, you know, I try to break that guy's jaw, and then then it was pandemonium. But. um but yeah, I mean, we were in we were in Kansas City, and with Bubby Brister playing, and somebody took a shot at Bubby Brister, and I turned around, and Tony Jones was you know giving somebody the business, and then it was just running over to try to you know pull Tony away, making sure Tony doesn't get. But yeah, because Tony was there, I was more downfield, and you know as soon as it happened, and you know some sometimes you don't see it, sometimes you don't know what went on, but whoever sees it is you know is going to like going to stand up going to do something about it. So yeah, I was I was shocked. Uh, but again, this is organizational structure. I've said this a million times and I'll say it again. As long as your organizational structure, like your your owner's job is to sign checks, not to have a radio show twice a week, not to do the post-game press conference from the locker room, it's not your job. And as long as that's what you're doing, you're your coach will never have authority. And like not only are players probably talking to Jerry, but when players feel empowered enough to call out your coaching staff and say our coaching staff doesn't have us prepared and and, and they're not doing a good enough job, and then the film shows that you guys don't give a shit and you're not playing hard, because the film shows it. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many times are you going to be in one-on-one coverage and get beat by 14 yards over the top is that coach not having you prepared, or is that you just being a lazy ass? And then, at the same time, you feel empowered to to scramble over to the, off the record, to the, you know, don't use my name, but our coaches don't have us prepared. That's a direct signal to jur, to change things that we don't like it. These guys aren't, these guys are mean. These guys are holding us accountable. Like, and, you know, it it's it's a that's a mess. It is a that mess. That is a mess. It is a mess. But the NFC East is a it's a glorious mess. It really is. It, it's oh it's gosh, it's it's so, so captivating. Yeah. But then on the other hand you got the NFC West which is just flat out flat out pissing uh, e- excellence, right? Uh-huh. What, what what's the line? That piss excellence. That's right. It, it the NFC East, the NFC West is pissing excellence. Yeah. All four teams are over 500. The, the the worst team right now is San Francisco, San Francisco. And 4 and 3. And 4 and 3. The defending and Super Bowl had, finalists. And they've had more injuries than anybody yeah. on the on the planet. All right, best team in the division is Oh. In that division? In that division. Don't even quick. Let's do a quick. Best team in the NFC West is the Rams. I had a feeling you were going to say them. I had a feeling you were going to say them. Even now San Francisco beat them up physically I know. whipped their I know. The, It's just like Seattle defensively just keeps giving up. Seattle defensively, here's their problem. Because I think Seattle defensively has got some really good players. And when they get Jamal Adams back, he's a difference maker. Energy-wise, blitz-wise, all three levels-wise, they don't have a legitimate pass rush. Like They have to use Jamal Adams to actually generate a pass rush. It's never a good thing, Mike. Um, So they don't. I really, I mean, I spent a lot of time studying Arizona because I had that game. Arizona is like I was a skeptic coming out with Kyler Murray and and what they were trying to do with Not even Cliff, you know, Cliff Kingsbury. He couldn't win at Texas Tech with uh, with the the unicorn, right? Patrick Mahomes, right? So I was a skeptic, but they're they're actually playing really good football. They're fun I, football team. It, That whole division is fun, man. That's going to come down to the wire. And and you got uh, who again this week? You got I got Seattle, San Fran. Oh, all right, Seattle, San Fran in Seattle. Unless NBC decides to, you know, trump me again, raw doggy again. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Bottom line, as an ode, as an ode to NBC, and I do it with the utmost respect Uh, for Al and Chris because, I mean, I've been watching Chris do this forever. And everybody thinks they can do it. Everybody thinks it's easy. Yeah. It's not easy. It's the it is like it's exponentially more difficult than being in studio and you know, you always think you'd be good at it. It's it's just a hell of a lot harder than you think. And um and Chris has been as good as anybody that's ever done it. He's he's an outstanding. But I did the uh I did the slide in. You uh, did this the, the columns were slide? I did the columns were slide in as a as a uh they, they, you know, they took our game. They gave us this one. It's going to be a good game. We got Brady, one of the great storylines. Tampa, one of the great storylines, and uh, and the Raiders. And I do believe this about the Raiders. Uh, you know, for all you Raider fans that you know are are crying a river of tears, um, the league is a better place when the Raiders are good and relevant. And I've always believed that. I believe that to be true right now. And I believe the Raiders are much. I love the direction the Raiders are going. I love that. Now, do they need? more dynamic defensive players? Do they need a real live, like, war daddy pass rusher? Yes, they Boy, do. could. They use a Khalil Mack, huh?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: where do you find a guy like that? Where do you find a guy like that? You just can't. Uh, hard. <laughs> You're a dick, and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, it's time to wrap this thing up. For everybody involved in the of Truth Podcast, for Mike, myself, our great sponsors, the folks over at Sweet Sweat, com, also Superbook, America's Best Bet. Um, thank you so much. We'll be back with you at the end of the week where I am whipping Mike's ass man, in the picks. You are. Make sure you tune in for that. Jay Cornegay is going to join us for that and kind of assess where we are and what we're doing. So for everybody involved, thank you so much for listening.